Welcome, and thanks for listening to 9 in 10 News Focus, brought to you by Lake Effect Digital. I'm Kevin Essebaggers. On August 2nd, Michigan voters have the chance to pick who will be the Republican challenger to Governor Gretchen Whitmer. While there were once about 10 candidates who announced that they were in that race, five made it to the primary ballot, and it appears Republican voters are not sure who they want out of that field. New polling this week from the Detroit News and WDIV, and likely the last poll before the primary, shows a slim lead for Muskegon-area businesswoman and political commentator Tudor Dixon. But she is at just 19%. Three other candidates, Kevin Rinke, Ryan Kelly, and Garrett Saldano, are all within 7% of Dixon. An astonishing 38% of voters are still undecided. That means the final two weeks are going to be a flurry of ads and events aimed at separating each other from one another. And what could be the biggest factor in the race still looms. An endorsement from former President Donald Trump. John Selleck is a political analyst with Harbor Strategic and an expert in the Michigan political landscape. 9 and 10's Eric Lloyd asked him about the polling and the GOP race. Kind of what can we take away from the results uh, of this poll? Well, we have the most uncertain and most undecided Michigan GOP gubernatorial primary, I think going all the way back to 1986, uh, the midterm of Governor James Blanchard, where we had a kind of small army of unknowns. But even then, there were at least two out of the field were elected officials. And this time, we don't have that at all. So it's really a, a mystery uh, as far as to who's going to win. The only thing you can somewhat take from these results, although it's a little bit um, uh, apples to oranges, the only thing that you can take from the results overall, looking at polling from a whole, is that it looks like Tudor Dixon is the only one that has some kind of momentum carrying her forward. And there's probably two reasons for that. One, uh, she got a lot of like large scale endorsements, particularly Michigan Right to Life, which has a good grassroots network. Uh, and number two, uh, over a million dollars of campaign advertising has been spent on her behalf on the airwaves in Detroit and Grand Rapids, not only telling her messaging story, but making clear that President Trump has indicated that he at least likes her, if not endorsed her yet. And I saw, I think I saw um, deeper in the, the polling, it showed that she's doing the best in Metro Detroit, which was kind of where uh, Chief Craig was holding court and now he's stepped aside. I mean, does that kind of, is that where we're seeing the, the big 15% jump from the last time we're seeing polls? Well, look, uh, it was only a month ago, but it seems like a hundred years ago that we had an entirely different looking field and James Craig seemed to be running away with this thing. And I think at this point, he still probably would have been in the lead, although obviously it wouldn't got a lot closer. Um, James Krebs, Krebs uh, sorry, the absence of James Craig from the race certainly left a vacuum in Southeast Michigan because that's where his dominant uh, polling numbers came from. But somebody had to go get those voters and start bringing them on board. And Tudor Dixon spending along with her message is what's done that. The interesting thing is that Kevin Rinke has spent three times as much as the committees who are supporting Tudor Dixon. And he still has never been in first place in any one of these polls. So it does tell us still that voters to the extent they are making decision are differentiating about messaging and about the personality of the candidates. Kevin Rinke's campaign from the start was meant to be a general election mode campaign where we weren't talking about Donald Trump, you we were talking about his issues, but not Trump himself. But we've seen Rinke realize he's probably hit a ceiling right now. He's invested a lot of money. So he's made two changes in his campaign advertising. One, he started a, a, an ad praising himself where he shows that he supports Donald Trump. It's the first time he's done that. 
uh, in a paid television advertisement. And number two, starting yesterday, he put the campaign's first negative ad on the air, attacking Tudor Dixon, trying to question her credentials with Trump because he sees right now probably the same thing that we talked about earlier. She's probably the one person that's in his way, especially if Trump is thinking about getting on board with Dixon before the uh, primary election. And we started to see it in the last debate uh, with Wood in Grand Rapids, where they finally started to kind of turn the heat on each other. And it seemed like a lot of them were pointing at Tudor Dixon. Was that kind of them seeing that she's getting that momentum that you're talking about and it's time that uh, it's a sprint to the finish and it's time to uh, take the gloves off. I think the, uh, the smart campaigns do realize that she's actually risen up in the polls, whether they can stop that rise is the question. And they started to do that. I think they also realized that president Trump, for whatever reason has decided to sit this out for a long time. Uh, other States do have their primaries earlier than we do. Pennsylvania already had theirs. Ohio already had theirs, for example, Georgia. Um, and president Trump tended to come in more close to the end of these elections when he gave his endorsement. And so that would be what he'd be doing this time. He likes to be the kingmaker and he likes to win. He might look and see Dixon is rising and he's already said nice things about her. And therefore the other campaigns are trying to stop or uh, influence President Trump from getting involved because once that endorsement comes out, it's gonna cause a lot of damage for the other candidates. Uh, in fact, the polling that was just done by the Detroit News and Channel 4, I'll just say this, the polling that just came out this week it shows that 63% of GOP primary voters will be influenced one way or the other um, towards supporting a candidate that President Trump endorses. So the other campaigns know that if that Trump endorsement comes, they could essentially be dead in the water. And they're doing everything they can to sow seeds of doubt, not only in the voters' mind, but frankly, I think that ad from Kevin Rinke is meant for an audience of one. It's Donald Trump. And now you said, yeah, I was going to bring up that 63%. Uh, it's one way or the other. I mean, are we certain that an endorsement is actually a good thing? I mean, I've heard Rinky himself say, which is probably because he didn't think he was going to get it, was that uh, an endorsement from Trump could be toxic. Uh, it could help you. Uh, so, I mean, are we certain that it's a good thing uh, in today's Republican climate? Uh, for the GOP primary, it's, it's going to be the, the silver bullet that puts somebody over the top. So if Dixon or Rinky or, and I don't think Rinky's gonna be the one that gets it, but the candidate that gets it um, is gonna get an immediate boost in the primary. And when you're looking at a bunch of candidates who are sitting here at 19, 17, 15, these are really low numbers, undecideds off the charts. And it's in part because not only all the, are all these candidates complete unknowns, they've never held office before, people haven't been familiar with them before this year, and if you're not in the social media bubble of GOP politics, you won't know who they are, right? And so, and then they don't have money, so that's the second part, they're not placing themselves on the airwaves until just this last few weeks outside of Kevin Rinke to really raise themselves up on a platform where other voters who aren't tuned in all the time can actually see them. Um, and so we're starting to see that with Dixon and we're seeing the results from that. We haven't seen that from Saldano and Kelly. And so that may be, the, besides Trump, uh, the deciding ultimate factor here is that if you're sitting at 40% um, undecided in this thing, people are gonna start to tune in over the next 10, 14 days. They need to see something. So the spending availability of both Rinky and uh, Tudor Dixon could be the deciding factor, especially if Trump does, uh, decides never to get involved. Yeah, it's when uh, Kelly got arrested. I was surprised by how like many people I just talked to that had no idea who he was. And I, I guess we're just so into it. I was like, what are you talking about? He's a top four candidate right now. He's in there. He's 
boycotted Mackinac and everything, but no one, they don't notice that. Um, That's right. Well, and we've seen in other states where Democrats, both at the national and state level, have spent a lot of money to interfere with the GOP primaries. And in some instances, they're taking credit for boosting what, what was seen generally as the most extreme or right-wing uh, Trump-style candidate. And they think that's going to guarantee them a victory in the general. And we've already heard some talk uh, online and scuttlebutt around town that the Democrats will encourage a crossover vote to support Ryan Kelly because they think that in a general election, he would ultimately be the weakest because of his arrest uh, on charges having to do with January 6th. And I, I tend to believe they're playing with fire when you get involved at that level. Um, you just can't tell what's happening. And certainly Kelly had strength in his numbers simply based on his name. Just the name Ryan Kelly in this primary not only was boosting him higher in the GOP polls, but in the head-to-head -head comparisons with Governor Whitmer, he was the closest, mostly based on that name. But what we will see, if you think advertisements are bad now, which they really aren't because there's not enough money in the primary, the first two to three weeks after August 2nd, when the National Democrats get involved to protect Governor Whitmer, they will go onto the air with millions of dollars of advertising to quickly define whoever the GOP nominee is as being in bed with Trump. It doesn't matter if you're Kevin Rinking, you tried not to talk about Trump, or you're, um, you're Ryan Kelly and you talked about Trump all day long. That advertising is coming no matter what. Um, so I think because they have the resources to spend on those ads, they're probably playing, you know, God a little bit here if they're going to try to interfere with the actual voting in the primary. Uh, but we shall see because it's happening in other places. Yes, uh, over Cherry Festival, I was uh, hanging out with our sales director and she was very excited for to get through primaries, <laughs> um, what was going to be piling in. Um, yeah, well, look at look at what Governor Whitmer is able to do right now. Her resources are so significant. They're bigger than any other candidate for governor, essentially going back past Rick Snyder, who could self-fund, all the way back to Dick DeVos when he spent $40 million to try to win. She's not quite at that level, but she has a huge amount of cash. And what that is allowing the governor to do right now is run three weeks of television nonstop across the entire state, over $1.5 million worth of advertising, just boosting her record and boosting it into that suburban mom concerned about their kids zone, trying to reassure those voters that they can stay with her in that Biden 2020 coalition instead of flipping back to the Republicans like they did in 2016 with Trump. So coming out of that, I mean, you, you talk about what we can expect after August 2nd, but we got two weeks. It's up for grabs. What are the next two weeks going to be like? What can we expect? I think we're going to expect to see a lot of television ads from Kevin Rinke and Tudor Dixon. Um, Garrett Soldano has said he's raised over $2 million. We haven't seen it on TV yet, or it's barely starting. So we could be seeing a lot of ads from him as well. The main thing to be watching for here, obviously, is whether Donald Trump decides to get in, endorse, and even possibly then come to Michigan to really push his, his chosen one over the top. Um, and then it's going to, in retrospect, when we get to election day, we're going to be able to see if any of these campaigns actually had a ground game. Were they able to spend money leading up to the campaign or the election day to get those absentee ballots turned in? And the difference that we'll see, like we've seen since 2020 when the pandemic hit on who votes AV and who votes on election day, it's tended to break out into two different groups. Um, and I think we're seeing a little bit of a, about that now. But um, that's what we'll be watching the campaigns for. And we might have to wait until all of a sudden done the votes are counted to see who is the most effective or even had the resources to try to do that. Because frankly, this if Tudor Dixon were to win the GOP nomination, she might be the first candidate in, uh, in modern times to not have spent a dollar of her own campaign money 
on television ads and still win the primary. That's impressive. Um, and off of that, let's say how spread out it is. Let's say the winner only wins a primary with 28% of the vote or something like that, if, if they're lucky enough to get that. I mean, how's that compared to other races? And what does that say moving forward in the general when the primary winner, they were the best of the choice, but they still had 70% that wanted somebody else? Yeah, I think the, the the short story is that the Republicans are united enough against Joe Biden that the minute the campaign can turn toward Joe Biden and by extension Gretchen Whitmer, there's going to be a lot of uniting happening really fast. A common enemy brings uh, friends and enemies together alike when they have to be on uh, on the attack. Um, but, you know, we've seen other contested primaries that end with some rough feelings. The 2018 GOP primary didn't end with everybody being best friends. I don't think the, the 2010 primary with Snyder, Mike Cox, and Pete uh, Hoekstra ended with everybody being best friends either. So the, the path to unity is not always an easy one. But in this particular election, especially with how polarized we are, um, that tag team of Biden and Whitmer, uh, as long as that's used properly, is going to bring the party together fairly quickly, I think. And, and, but in the end, it falls to the nominee to be the one to lead that charge. And uh, tomorrow, First Lady Biden's coming to Detroit, but uh, Governor Whitmer signing the budget. So I doubt they'll be uh, seen together um, at all in that short stop, but yeah. which they probably aren't too broken up about. Exactly. I'm sure the, the the governor might be more comfortable appearing with Jill Biden than Joe. Um, and that's just got to kill uh, somebody like Joe Biden. Joe Biden is basically like America's last standing retail politician. By that meaning the back slapping, handshaking, tries to leave room with everybody liking him instead of the politics we have now, which is, you know, you're in my camp or you're in the other camp and I'll roll out my camp and I'll detest the other camp. Um, Joe, that's why President Biden is not exactly fitting into the way politics works these days, in addition to struggles with his age and other things that he hasn't been great on and leadership wise. So for President Biden not to be welcomed with open arms, let alone, you know, not invited to come to Michigan, uh, it's got to be really hard on him. But I think the Whitmer team has shown they're being very, very disciplined about carving out their own space and the polling has shown it's working so far with no Republicans attacking Gretchen Whitmer. She's been able to improve her numbers. She's been able to make a, um, a difference between she and Joe Biden to the extent that Michigan voters will say, yeah, I'm really unhappy with Joe Biden. I'm just kind of 50-50 on Gretchen Whitmer. And then once we move into the general, it'll be up to that GOP campaign uh, to really start turning the argument into something about a choice between those two candidates. Right now, Gretchen Whitmer is able to go on TV for three weeks straight doing nothing but defending herself. And the GOP is struggling so badly to get their head above water that they don't have time to be attacking Gretchen Whitmer. So she's going to kind of get a free ride here, uh, at least until early August. Well, do you happen to know, like, the like what would be the lowest winning percentage for a primary winner? I mean, would 25, 30% be the lowest? Probably. I okay. think that's safe to say. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know. if I, I'm sure there's been many below 50%, but this just seems so spread out. <laughs> Yeah, it's super spread out. And what we'll find, unfortunately, is when people are undecided super late into the campaign, a lot of them may just choose not to vote. It's not a presidential year. It's not a general election. Um, that'll be a difference maker for people who vote AV versus in person. But I think even we're seeing a lot of people sitting on absentee ballots because usually you get your ballot, the first thing you want to do is vote at the top of the ticket. Mm -hmm. And right now, if you're undecided and don't know enough about the candidates, it feels awfully strange 
to fill in the bottom of the ballot and not the top and send it in. So there's going to be a lot of research and studying to do when this primary is over because we're just learning something new every two years. Unfortunately, right now, politics is being turned on its head. Are we, I think there's one more major debate left uh, in Detroit coming up. Is Are we just going to see basically everyone ganging up on Tudor Dixon? Yeah, I think we are. We saw in the last few debates that um, almost everybody was turning their guns on Dixon. They saw in their polling and their senses she was rising. And we're not going to see anything different. And frankly, it'll be one of their last chances to do so. Um, you know, I think, unfortunately, for those, if she is truly rising toward toward a victory, it's going to be hard for a televised debate to make a difference. There's uh, it's summertime. It's hot out. People are doing things. They're enjoying their families. It's, the, you know, the first summer post uh, essentially post pandemic where people are sort of getting back to their normal lives and they're not sitting around watching uh, debates between these candidates, especially candidates. They don't know. It's kind of a paradox mm -hmm. that they, uh, they don't know who they are. And so they're undecided, undecided. But that at the same time makes a less depressed, you know, a more depressed effort toward paying attention because you're like, I don't know who any of those people are. That's kind of boring. Yeah. Um, and so the the lack of resources for most of these campaigns is really going to hurt because their ability to like seek out those who will vote for them and in, and ping them, send them text messages, give them phone calls, show up at their door. Have you turned in your absentee ballot? Will you please turn out on election day that get out the vote effort? is not gonna be easy when you don't have the resources to run an operation like that. And so we still may see a lot of these undecideds not vote potentially, at least in, in this primary. And a reminder that voters in Michigan can register to vote in person at their clerk's office through election day, August 2nd. Thank you for listening. And I hope you'll join me again as we take a closer look at issues in the news affecting Northern Michigan. Nine and 10 News Focus is brought to you by Lake Effect Digital.